0: Good morning, everybody. So glad you're here. Those online, so glad you've chosen to join us through the miracle of technology. I would like for everyone right now, whether you're, you're here for the first time or a long time, if you have your Bibles, to find them and open them and kind of get squared away. If you're here for the very first time, every time you walk in the door, there's a Bible out there. You're welcome to pick up and take it to your chair. If you don't have a Bible, take it home with you. It is yours to keep. It's, a, it's our gift to you. And if you are here for the very first time, we have another gift At the Connection Point, we'd love to offer it to you. We'd love to visit with you after worship as well. So just thank you for being here, whatever, online or in the house here this morning. Now, before we get into the good news, I want to give you some good news, because I know you've been living this week in the world, and when you live in the world, we've learned that all the news we hear is pretty much bad news. So I want to start this message before we read the good news to give you some good news. There was a little girl in this church many years ago, uh, about six years of age. She came here. And her little name was Lauren Gale. And this little Lauren Gale, she discovered very quickly that she was valued and important and loved. And I want you to know that what we want to do here, we want every child in this building and outside the building through Pathway Church, every child to know they are valued and they're important and they are loved by God that's why we do what we do okay because that changes families when that happens and we want you to buy into that concept wherever you are that you helped every child know that they are valued and they are important and they are loved and that happened to Lauren Gale and so she grows up here in this church discovering and learning that and then she graduated from high school she leaves Texas and God forbid goes to Boston And she goes to school at this music school in Boston, because this girl can sing now. I'm telling you, if you never heard her sing, you missed out. She's got a voice. And so she goes there to develop that skill, and she graduates, and she comes back home to seek where might God be leading me into the world. She gets a job teaching. That's not working out. It's like me filling her cup. And so she gets a job right here on staff at Pathway part-time. And then she gets a job full-time on Pathway. She is now our director of video ministries. But in that situation, she experienced a call. So yesterday morning, this young adult, this woman right here, now a young lady that you hear sing up here sometimes, stood before a group of people and said, I am ready to say yes to the gospel of Jesus and become an ordained minister. Can I tell you, that is incredible. That was amazing. And it started right here among you. Now, I, want, I got more good news. So, what that means for you is that she's now going to seminary and she's just kind of studying and learning and growing, and we're going to help her do that here in the church. But right behind her, next spring, we got two more that are about to be ordained our very own Cheyenne Davis and our very own Kevin Bogarelli. Next spring, they too will be ordained in the gospel ordained ministry. And right behind them is a guy by the name of JP who's also himself, who's about a year behind. And we got another guy named Nick Pharisee who's not yet gone behind before Presbytery who's planning the same thing. Church, you need to understand the magnitude of this. You really need to understand the magnitude of good news. That means in 33 years, without counting these you just saw on the screen, we have had nine pathway peeps, nine people who started off sitting in the chair just like you, who somehow experienced the power of God in their life and said, I feel like God is calling me into the ordained ministry. And Eight of those nine got ordained and served in this church, in this church, church staff at some period of time. That is amazing. Some churches go years and never have anyone. So could we stop and please give a big thanks to God for the good news. That is some really, really good news. That's really good news. All right, so we do need, we need to get into the good news. So before we get into the good news right here in the screen,
1: Now I know you've been sharing a lot of good news, but you forgot one thing.
0: I forgot. You
1: Forgot one thing.
0: Good news. You I forgot never. Good news. I never forget good news.
1: Well, you just did.
0: Oh, never say never, huh? So, what did I forget, Melissa?
1: You forgot about celebrate now.
0: Oh, that
1: net. Na- that's next weekend, next weekend. October That's 1st right. and 2nd, y'all. Celebrate now, the Now One More campaign that we have been praying over for the last three years. The worship space that we are in, where we financially contributed to. And we are going to celebrate now, next weekend. We're going to celebrate all that God has been doing here at Pathway. Do you want to know how we're celebrating? Yeah,
0: how? how? I want to know. Okay. I forgot. Right,
1: I'll share that. Okay, so we are going to have a carnival. Hey!
0: In the church, <laughs>
1: we're gonna have a carnival in the church, out in the crossing, in the foyer next weekend. You do not want to miss it. Come early or stay late, but you need to be here to celebrate because we have a lot to celebrate. All here. ages, all ages,
0: something for all
1: ages, something for all ages. All right, cool. You don't want to miss it.
0: Okay, I'll be here. All right. Okay, I'll be here too. I won't forget. All right. Okay. All right. Okay. 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 And, and I do. I want to do make a point here that I, I don't want you to forget. Some of you need to remember this. Three years ago, we came to you as a church body. We we're worshiping in a gym. And we came to you and said, if you're a here, you remember. We said, you know what? It's time for us to reclaim this gym for our youth, and we need a more permanent worship space. And so we started meeting in homes. Some of you remember. We met in homes. And I came to as many homes as I could, and we tried to cast a vision of the facility that we're now in and the extended Crossing. And getting the gym back for our young people, and we talked about that. And you said yes, we want to do it. over 500 households. said, man, we're all in. And so there was this this consulting firm, this financial consulting firm, who helps churches. I, I kind of have an idea how much capital they can raise. They said, okay, we think we think you could do this, but based on what your folks have said, you can probably raise somewhere between 2.6 and 5.0 million dollars. And we know this project is going to cost anywhere between six and eight. And so we said, okay, we'll give it a shot. So we gave it a shot, and you pledged $5 million. It was amazing. And they said, let's not get too excited about that because you're only going to get 80% of the $5 million that was pledged. Well, we're coming to the end of that three years. And I just want to really give you some good news because here's what you've done in three years. This is how much you've given you only pledged $5 million, You gave $5.6 million. That's amazing. This is not a rich church. And it was just everybody getting engaged. And that is just amazing news. And next week, we're going to celebrate that. And we're going to give thanks to God for that. And there's other pieces of good news you need to understand. You know, over the past three years, you ever heard of this little thing called COVID? Supply chain interruption. Inflation costs going out the roof. If your church session, some two years ago, because two years ago, just this last week, we broke ground. Only two years we broke. It seems like we've been in here forever, doesn't it? And we kind of take that for granted. Please don't take it for granted what God has done. Please don't forget the road that we have been down. Please don't do that. Please, 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 please. That's why we're going to stop next week. If the session had not made the decision they did, within the 30-day period, the cost would have gone up from $8 million to $11 million. And we would have been priced out of the market, and we would still be worshiping in a gym. But because they listened to the Holy Spirit and said, let's do it, and you said, let's go, in spite of COVID in the economy, here we sit three years later. And that's really not the best news. Here's the best news. Since last November 7th, when we entered into this place, 161 new people have said, I want to make Pathway my church home. 85 of them have been a profession of faith and a baptism. 28 children have been dedicated or baptized to the Lord. 17 children have been placed on the preparatory roll. And not only that, we got the gym back for our young people so they can use it as a gym for fellowship and for games and recreation on Wednesday nights. And they worship in here. And on a Wednesday night, There can be close 300 to 400 young people and adults worshiping in here on Wednesday night. And that is because of your generosity. So next week we're going to celebrate. We're going to have some fun out there in the crossing. Enjoy being with each other. Learn. If you're brand new, you can learn about it. We wanted to pay for the whole thing. We're at 5.6. The cost was eight. So you can see the gap, but we're just trudging ahead. And I just want to say, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. God, we thank you for the good news. We thank you for the good news of all that you're doing in your church, that in the worst of seasons, God, in the middle of a COVID, that you would rise up out of the dirt when everybody's worshiping at home, God, that you would say, press on and do this thing and I'll show you. And you did, God. And here we are sitting in it today. And there are people now all around the United States of America, some, God, in a few places around the world who have dialed in because of the technology in this place. They feel like they're even here, God, in this very time, even though they're somewhere else. And we just praise you for that, God, for that good news of how you're using this little church in Burson, Texas, to change lives, to set the addict free, to heal those that are experiencing marital discord, to restore children, to give hope. And God, even as we give you thanks for that, we open up now the good news of your word, and we pray you'd speak a fresh word to each of us. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Okay, I'm going to change slightly the text that we're going to read before I read it. And I want you to see if you can hear what's inaccurate, really what not the text doesn't say, OK? I'm in uh, Matthew 4:23. Jesus went throughout Galilee teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom. And the rich people came to him, and the smart people came to him, and the beautiful people came to him, and the people with perfect hair came to him, and he said to them, blessed are you rich, beautiful, smart, guided-all-together people. Anybody figure out yet already what the Bible doesn't say? Let's see how close you are. Jesus went throughout Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness among the people. And news about him spread all over Syria. And people brought to him all who were ill with various diseases, those suffering severe pain, the demon-possessed, those having seizures and the paralyzed, and he healed them. Large crowds from Galilee, the Decapolis, Jerusalem, Judea, and the region across the Jordan, they followed him. And then when Jesus saw the crowds, he went up to a mountainside And he sat down and his disciples came to him. Now, chapter 5, verse 1, it says, when Jesus saw the crowd. And my question for you, have you ever stopped to really think, who's in the crowd? Let me tell you who's in the crowd. Needy people, poor people, hurting people, people who don't smell good, people who don't behave well in crowds demoniacs, in case you didn't know, had a reputation for not behaving well in crowds. If you are charismatic and you come from a charismatic church background, you understand that. If you're a Cumberland Presbyterian, you don't have a clue. But that's the truth. These demoniacs had this practice of not behaving well. People that were there were having grand mal seizures right there in church. Lepers were there. People no one would be willing to touch. People who drank too much. People who didn't have a job. People who did not have any money. People who could not fix their own lives. People who had no hope. And the question is, how is Jesus going to teach the good news to this motley crew? How's he going to talk to them about the kingdom of God? What's he going to say? Verse 3. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Church, this is amazing. The most famous talk in the history of the world has the most famous beginning in the history of the world. And it's the most widely understood, perhaps, verse in the Bible. One little word. And let's start with the word blessed. You and I have dumbed down and watered down that word with so many cliches that it actually means nothing. Blessed. Someone sneezes and we say, bless you. Literally, in the Greek, this word blessed means well off. Happy. Hey, bless you. Well off. You're well off. You sneezed. That doesn't even make sense. We say in the South, you'll be in a situation in the South, and someone will say, well, just bless your heart. Now, really what they're saying in a very nice way, I hate your guts. (laughs) I just wish you would move out of town. Get out of here, girl. We don't want you around. Well, bless your little heart. We have taken this word blessed. And we have so prostituted it, we have so castrated it, we've taken away the power of what God intends to use for this word. And when you understand this word, what the Bible has to say, it raises a haunting question of the human race that every person wrestles with. You just don't ever put it into words. Because people who are well off had the good life. So the question is, What is the good life? Who has the good life? Who is blessed? Who is happy? Who is well off? Who is it? Any person who's serious about their own life has to wrestle with this question What does it mean to you? Now, there's been a movement for the past 20 years, the most popular in in psychology called positive psychology. And positive psychology is the research on studying who is blessed, who is well-off, who is happy. And everybody has an idea of what it means to be well-off, to be blessed, right? There used to be this car advertisement that said like this, chase happiness in a car that you can catch it, you'll be blessed. There was a magazine that used to be out called The Good Life. And if you read the contents of the magazine, The Good Life, it seemed like The Good Life had something to do with fine dining and weight loss. Think about it. I got a friend who hit it big in the world, lots of money travels all over the world, actually has a home in another country and lives there much of the time. And when I talk to him on the phone or I see him in person, I say, tell me, how's it going? He says, Rick, living the dream. And the scripture's saying, when you understand the word blessed, the question is, who's living the dream? Who's living the good life? Who's well off? Who is happy? And you ask Jesus that question, hey, Jesus, tell me, you had me a blessed, just the word blessed, well off. I want that. I want to be happy. But tell me, Jesus, who is living the dream? Who's living the good life? And he says, the poor in spirit, they are. Now, I want you to understand something, that the poor in spirit, that's, that's not even a good thing in Jesus' day. And most of us, again, totally castrate the meaning of this word. So let me kind of put it in words that we can all understand. In your notes, poor in spirit. It's blessed are the spiritual zeros. Blessed are the spiritually bankrupt. Blessed are people who know nothing about the Bible. Blessed are people who are not even sure, heads or tails, that you even know and think that God exists or is real. Blessed are you who would throw up if I was to give you a microphone and ask you to lead us in prayer. Blessed are you who think the epistles were the wives of the apostles. Blessed are you who think Joan of Arc was the wife of Noah. Blessed is what it's saying. Blessed are you, blessed are you who do not feel you have anything to offer the world. That's what Jesus is saying. And what you need to understand back in Jesus' day, poor in spirit usually meant you were literally poor. Poor. And he says, you're well off. And and, and you're not well off because you're poor. And you're not well off because you don't know anything about God. You're well off Because now Jesus has shown up. He has flipped the script. He has left heaven and come to earth. And now you have the opportunity to live in the kingdom, in the presence, in the power, in the goodness, in the strength, in the wisdom of God Almighty himself. You can live in the kingdom and experience it now. And that means available to you is forgiveness and grace and mercy and love and power and strength and guidance all through your life right now that makes you blessed. And it doesn't matter what the world says about you. It doesn't matter what your boss says about you. It doesn't matter what your parents said about you that messed you up when you were growing up. If you get fat, you're blessed You're well off. Dallas Willard puts it this way. Those poor in spirit are called blessed by Jesus, not because they're in a meritorious condition, but because in spite of and in the midst of their ever so hang on to that deplorable condition, the rule of the heavens, the kingdom of heaven has moved redemptively upon them and through them by the grace of Jesus himself in the midst of their deplorable condition. In the 2016 election, there was a presidential candidate, I will not name who, identified anyone who voted for this particular person in the basket of deplorables. Jesus calls you and me to be his disciples, to be in the poor in spirit basket of deplorables. Everybody's welcome. Nobody is perfect. We are here because of invitation. We are not better. We are not worse. We are just followers of Jesus. And what he is doing is contrasting his Beatitudes with what Jesus has to say, the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God has to say about who is blessed. And apart from God, who the world says is blessed who is living the good life. And I would suggest every person here in this room, if you can see my, my face and hear my voice online right now, I don't care what time of the week it is, you'll watch this later on in the week, we all have a list of what you and I think is the good life, the person who is blessed. i, I share a few things. Blessed are the talented. Blessed are the CEOs, the VIPs. The MBAs, the PhDs, blessed are the slender, blessed are those who go to an Ivy League college, blessed are those who hustle. There was a blog post from this car ride company who was praising one of their employees who on the way to the hospital to deliver her baby, she stops to pick up a fare. Blessed are you who are going to deliver a baby, but you stop and give somebody a ride. And they pay you. Blessed are you for hustling a little extra. Blessed are the Facebook influencers and the TikTok influencers and the Twitter who have all these followers. Blessed are you. You're the one that's blessed. That's who we say. And here's the problem. If you look at that list and you don't see yourself on the list, you think, I'm not blessed. I'm not living a good life. I'm not well off. And Jesus is flipping the script. He's turning upside down what the world says is the good life. Everybody here needs to be resting with this question. Who is well off? What's it going to take for you to be happy? What's it going to take for you to feel blessed? Blessed. Jesus has the answer in your notes. Number two, blessed is anyone who chooses to live in the kingdom of God, who steps in to live in the presence of the kingdom. Anybody who every day interacts with God, the one who is flipping the script, turning up everything upside down, anyone who has surrendered the burden of their ego, I empty myself and allow God to fill me up with his presence. Anybody who would just stop for a moment and be grateful. I don't care what's going on in your life. Anybody who could stop for a moment and just be grateful for what you do have instead of upset about what you don't have. Anybody who has given up control over carrying the weight of the outcome of the world who has given up control on giving up the weight of the outcome of your children, who've given up carrying the weight of the outcome of people in your family, who have surrendered that to God, you are living in the kingdom and you are blessed. Anybody who's given up the illusion that you can live a life of not ever being in danger, that you're never gonna have to risk either because you have lots of money and you can protect yourself, because you have power, you have connection to people who will watch after you and take care of you to make everything safe and secure. Not blessed are you. Blessed are you who know that nothing can separate you from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord, regardless of what happens in the world to you. Blessed, blessed, blessed are you. That knows, it doesn't matter what happens to me. I am not control of what happens to me, but I am control of what happens in me, and I choose to step into and live in the kingdom of God, and I am blessed. Not because everything is good in your life, but because your past has been forgiven. Your future, God has a plan for you, and your present moment, whatever's going on right now, has been redeemed, that he will use it for some sort of good, and you know it, that makes you blessed, regardless of what it is. And we just got it all mixed up. He's flipping the script. Blessed are the, those who are poor in spirit. There's the kingdom of heaven. And then he says, blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. And what that really means is blessed are the failures in life. Blessed are those whose spouse has left them. Blessed are those who lost their job, maybe because of their own doing. Blessed are those who feel like they are a miserable parent that you failed at parenting. Blessed are those who wanted to be a parent and you've not been able to. Blessed are those of you who are clinically depressed and who are chronically anxious not because being depressed or anxious is good they're not but blessed are you who step to live in the kingdom in the presence of Jesus on a daily basis because he says I am with you you're not alone I will never leave you or forsake you You are valued, you are important, and you are loved by me. And absolutely nothing can change that. And when you live in that reality, every day you are blessed. You may be at the end of your rope, Jesus says, but you're not at the end of my rope. I will not give up on you. And then he goes on, blessed are the meek. Now that's kind of a tough one to unravel. i make you this promise. Nobody in the world puts a meek person on the fast track to the good life. There is no company here, I promise you, there's no company, no organization here who has a meek employee of the month award. Doesn't exist, I promise you. There's nobody on their eHarmony profile who are single that wanna start dating, they don't put on there Hey, I'm meek. Want a deal? I'm meek. Nobody does that. Here's why. This is really what meek means in our language. In your notes, blessed are the charisma challenged. Blessed are the inept self-promoters, for they will inherit the earth. They're living in a script that has been flipped up there, has come down here. And so goes this list. And here's what Jesus is doing. He's saying there's none of these things in the world that the world says is a ticket to being blessed. He's saying my list of what's a ticket to be blessed are totally different. He's contrasting what the world has to say versus what the kingdom of God has to say of what it means to be blessed. And so he goes through this list. Here's who's blessed, those who hunger and thirst for for the right stuff from God. Blessed are those who are merciful. Blessed are who are pure in their heart. Blessed are the peacemakers. Blessed are those who are persecuted. And the idea of the Beatitudes is this, that because of the presence of Jesus, the whole thing, what it means to be well off, gets flipped. Flipped. And the people who feel like they are outcast, the people who feel like they are misfits, who live out there on the edge, are now in the center of the kingdom because Jesus was the great misfit. He was the great outcast. He was the great failure. The cross was a symbol of failure, of defeat. And he flips it and turns it into victory for anyone who chooses to live in that kingdom. The kingdom of God is here now, and blessed are you. Blessed, blessed, blessed are you. You're well off if you choose to live in it. Now, the number one rule in your notes, number three, of living in the kingdom of God is no pretending. We come just as we go and to other people to be loved and to be healed. Everybody's welcome, and nobody is perfect. Now, this past week, I was reminded of my imperfections, As I had just come out of my office, I had been asked in charge of doing a short little selfie video to be published out on social media, and I wanted to eat first. So I go into my office, and I close the door. I'm sitting at my desk, and I'm eating, and I do the video, and I come out, and I'm just glad to have the video done. I've already sent it so them to do what they want to do with it. And Angela Devling, one of the administrative assistants in the office complex where I work, she said, Rick, watch that on your shirt. And I looked on my shirt and there was this long line of ranch dressing all the way down my shirt. And I just got first doing this selfie video and I didn't even see it. And that experience reminded me, I'm still messed up. I just can't seem to get my, my act together. And that, that reminded me of a story that I told you back in, um, on Easter, and I shared with you that right after Dallas and I got married, got, got engaged, that the pastor and his wife wanted to go out to celebrate. And they said, pick the spot and I picked Underwoods. And so we went to Underwoods and that was a bad mistake because they served barbecue there and I ordered ribs and I'm wearing a light colored shirt and I picked up my first rib and I dropped it all over my shirt. I wanted to make a good impression. It was the worst impression of all. And I picked up another rib. It bounced off my lap on the floor. So then I just picked up the third rib and I just did this right here. I just wiped it all over my shirt. And I said, you know what? That's who I am. And so they invited us after we got married to their house. And we had another dining experience in a dining room with white carpet, with white chair seats. They had newspaper under my chair. Yeah, now what's the point? The point is we are the church of the open stain. No pretending. And some of you right now are wondering, Are you going to do the rest of this message with that stain on your shirt just the way it is? Yes, I am. And here's why. Because what John says right here in the scriptures, 1 John 1, 8. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. One of the reasons you hear me say all the time how much I love AA, Alcoholics Anonymous, and why I love recovery people is because AA began as a discipleship movement. That's how it began. And what's so powerful about it is someone stands before a group of people and says, listen, no pretending. My name is Rick, and I'm an alcoholic. And when that person says that, they don't get gasp and ooze and ahs, and I can't believe it. What they hear is very simply, hi, Rick. And they're accepted and they're loved and they're valued just the way they are, stain and all, no pretending. The big book of AA puts it this way. I love it. The wisdom of AA is contained in its celebration of an addict's recognition and public acknowledgement that he is an addict. Such a recognition and acknowledgement is deemed an achievement. And it is celebrated by being ritualized and reiterated. See, here's what it turns out it turns out that genuine, humble, risk taking, real time, radical public confession here I am is what God uses to heal you, it's what God uses to create a healing community. There is this, the reason that AA is so powerful is that years ago and years ago and years ago when it first started, it started off in basements of churches. That's where it started. And they had these sayings in AA churches. They had basements back in the East where it started. I want to read you one of the sayings of AA when it got started, when it was functioning in the basement of churches. I want to say it right. So I'm going to say it just like, I'm reading it, just what it says. When you come to the church, Go downstairs and you will be changed. Or you can go upstairs and stay the same. You come downstairs and you get real, no pretending, admit your life is staying train wrecked and you have a chance to be transformed. But you can go upstairs and hang out with the church people. And no change will take place. The scripture says, blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are those who are right now obsessive, compulsive thinking, get that man a clean shirt and get him off the, because I just can't stand it. I can't stand anybody that looks unkept, that looks dirty, that looks stained. And the scripture says, blessed are you. Jesus is flipping the script of what it looks like to be real and be a part of the church. And God wants us to be raw and real, just like AA. No pretending. I used to go to AA meetings just to study discipleship. And I pop into one of these meetings, and there's a guy that recognizes me. He comes up to me and says, he says, man, I love AA. I mean, it is damn good. It's like the church was swearing. Oh, sorry, pastor. <laughs> you know. And I said, no problem. God wants to bring what God is doing in heaven to earth, which means no pretending. Anybody besides me sometimes pretend? Sometimes I pretend to be nice, and I need to tell you, I'm not always so nice. Sometimes I just pretend to be humble and modest, but sometimes I'm a praiseaholic. I'm a people pleaser. Just need another fix Sometime I pretend I'm a risk taker But sometimes I can be really risk adverse I can be Short tempered I can lose my cool I can withdraw and pout I can envy I can covet That's me I've even had lust issues. Am I the only one? 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 The church does not die because of sin. In your notes, the church dies Pretending there is no sin is what kills the church. That's what kills the church. And so many of you are dying. You're dying. You're dying because you're pretending. So we're going to stop the pretending. And we're going to celebrate inadequacy. And I'm going to give you a little public prayer confession. A lot of churches do this historically. And they had this public confession, but nothing, no power in it. There's no power at like the power of someone saying, hey, listen, I want you to know, my name is, and I'm this. You do that in your small groups, and you see what the change that begins to happen in your small groups. So here's your public confession. Prayer of confession, without God, my life is a train wreck. I'm mean, going just kind of make that this week, your public confession. Without God, my life is a train wreck. Turn to somebody next to you and say that right now. Without God, my life is a train wreck. Make sure they hear you. Look them right in the eyes and admit middle. like it's real. Without God, my life is a train wreck. No pretending. We're the church of the open stain. We're the basket of deplorables. This is who we are. Inept. And we celebrate that. And when we celebrate that, God does something with it. Now, here's the last thing you need to know. In the kingdom of God, number six, we learn to see others the way God sees them. That's how you know you're really living in the kingdom of God. You look at someone, you see them the exact same way that God sees them. You know. And when the Apostle Paul figured that out, he had a way of putting it over here in 2 Corinthians. He said, From now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. That means according to the flesh. What does according to the flesh mean? It means by what they're wearing, what kind of car they drive, where they live. What do they look like? That's how the flesh judges people, how do they vote. But when you enter the kingdom of God, that changes. It changes how you see people. Back in the year 2000, there were two engineers in Silicon Valley that were arguing about the, over the attractiveness of a woman. So they started this website called Hot or Not that motivated these two Harvard students to create their own thing called FaceMash to do the same thing with birth Facebook. And the purpose of Hot or Not was that you could post your picture onto this website because they couldn't decide who was, how, who, how, how pretty this girl was, and they would rank you your attractiveness. And that you could go and take a photo of yourself and put it on there. They were having 2 million hits a week. It was incredible, the number of hits. You could judge how attractive that you were. Because that's how the world will look at you and judge you. Interesting enough is that everybody knew what was behind it. Blessed are the hot and woe are the not. But when you enter into the kingdom of heaven, you repent. And you ask God to change your mind so you see people the way he sees them as a child of God who died for them with his cross-embracing love and you see them like that. Here's what the world, here's how the world looks at people and they say who's unblessed. Unblessed, Watch the commercials? Are the people who are pudgy, who are bald, who are wrinkled, who don't have the house, who walk, bent over, who are impotent. They're the unblessed. That's what the world says. And Jesus is flipping the whole thing. Here's your homework for this week. Practice looking at people differently. Just look at people differently. Try to look at people the way Jesus sees them, the way he looks at them. I was in City Market. I'm checking out. I turn around. There's this woman there, and her face is just scarred, modules all over it. Something happened. I don't know why. It was obvious. And I was so uncomfortable because I was staring. I turned away, and the Holy Spirit just nudged me. Rick, if that was your daughter-in-law or your daughter, how would you like someone to respond to them? So I turned, and I looked at her right in the eyes, and I will tell you, I was humbled by her mind and by the depth of her spirit. This week, look past the clothes, look past the flesh, look past the car they drive, look past the resume, look past the credentials, look past the letters, and see the person and know that they are blessed in the eyes of God. And we're all just a basket of deplorables. Now, one last word, and this is what I'm going to let you go is that we're not just a basket of deplorables. If you notice, when you saw this opening scripture, it said Jesus is talking to two groups of people, the crowds and the disciples. Who are the crowds? The crowds are people who are interested in Jesus. They were the people who wanted Jesus to help them. They are the people who were admiring his ideas from a distance, but the disciples are people who are part of the crowd who stepped out of the crowd. And they said... I want what this guy has. I want the good life. And I don't know what it takes. I will do whatever it takes to have what this guy has. Because he's got something. Even if it means missing out some most important things in my life, I will do it. And every once in a while somebody does that. Somebody steps out of the crowd and they stop pretending. And when you do that, you know what you are? Blessed. It. Blessed. It. Blessed. It. Blessed. So i want to give you a chance right now, just right where you're seated, just kind of a posture of prayer. If there's anybody here, we'll just say today, you know, Jesus, I just, I just want everything that you are I want to step out of the crowd I want to do whatever it takes to be well off like you describe in the kingdom and I'll do I'll, I'll do whatever you ask me to do and I'll I'll practice whatever you teach me just teach me and show me God and I, I will do it I want to be your disciple If you would like to do that right now, even online, if you would like to step out of the crowd, I would just like to invite you right now as a symbol, just right where you are, just to stand up. Eyes closed, just stand up. That's all. Just stand up right now. If you're ready to step out, stop pretending, and you want to be a disciple of Jesus, just stand up. If you want to have a good life, the well-being, just stand up. Don't stand because somebody next to you is standing, but stand up because you want to be a disciple living in the presence of the Holy One, the King of your life, every second you breathe. And here's my word to you. Blessed. 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 it. Bless it. Bless it. Bless it. Bless it. In Jesus' name, amen. See you next week. Bring a friend. We're going to overcome evil.